Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome. Welcome in to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 9 o'clock tonight. We're open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. You can tweet at us throughout the show as well. We will get back to you throughout the show. Coming up for the summer of football in about 10 minutes. We'll hear from Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. We'll talk some college football tonight. Mm. Season getting closer. And remember, opening weekend of college football, Chicago's college tailgate returns with Adam Abdallah, Jonathan Hood, and Chris Black. We will have all your college action each Saturday throughout the fall. Yeah, August 31st is the first show. Special show, Labor Day, leading you into Notre Dame football as they open the season on Labor Day. There's games all that weekend. That's what I love about college football. They've taken over that weekend since the NFL yeah. doesn't start till the weekend after. There's games Saturday. There's games uh, Sunday. There's games Labor Day on Monday with Notre Dame. So there's going to be something great uh, for everybody. And we look forward to talking college football with you all fall. That's right. So the opening weekend for college football, you get double the show. Yes, two shows. That's, yes, that's probably what I said. You Saturday two, and, and Monday. Saturday and Monday, we sleep Sunday. How about that? Labor Day. Three yeah. to six before Notre Dame football. Can't wait. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's Can't do wait. it. Okay. Uh, Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So uh, we will address uh, college football later on this hour. We'll also get uh, a view from Vegas later this hour on college football uh, gambling as well as we get set for the college football season. Lots to talk about. You know, the Bears played last night. Mitch Trubisky didn't really play too much. But quarterbacks around the National Football League, we saw many young quarterbacks out there. And for the most part, a lot of them looked pretty good, and especially Kyler Murray last night uh, suiting up for the Cardinals. Man. He looked like he belongs. Yeah, I mean, just you saw the way he ran He ran around and commanded the offense. I know it's a very vanilla defense that he's playing. I know that it's a very vanilla offense that he's running because it's not like Cliff Kingsbury is going to have stuff out there, right? You know, that he's going to show all of his, his playbook out there. But the way he was eyeing down receivers, the way he would go through his progressions, he ran out of the pocket a few times when, when guys were unblocked coming after him. He just looked very sharp. He looked like he belonged. He, Like you said, Chris, he looked like... This, all the questions marks about his height and about his arm and about his accuracy and all that, all that kind of went out the window with the okay, 
this guy belongs. Now, obviously, that's going to change in the regular season. The, the, the Cardinals don't have the best team going right now. But ultimately, when you look like you belong, that's kind of you're, you're going to struggle your first season. But as long as you look like you're meant to be there, and that's something he definitely looked like yesterday. What did you make of the Cardinals deciding, and Cliff Kingsbury especially deciding, that even with the Cardinals backed up near their end zone, to put Kyler Murray in the shotgun? He took no snaps from under center last night, and it seems like that's probably going to be the idea that they take into the regular what do you season. Have to lose? Can a quarterback in the National Football League never go under center? Is that something that can take place? Let's find out. Like, are, are Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury going to rewrite the way we do this? Look, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Is you you get a sack and you take a safety in a in a in a preseason game? Who cares? You're, well, out, yeah, there, you're yes. out there trying to learn. Yes, that so, is the worst thing that would okay, happen. Yes, as Kyler Murray goes six of seven for forty four yards. It's a preseason game. Who cares? It's fine. Just let him let him go out there and let him play. Let him just. Throw the ball around and see how he does. Zip on the ball, though. Yeah. I mean, those out routes to the sidelines, those look good. He really looks, good. He looks, he's fun. He's going to be a, a very fun watch. It's going to be a lot more fun than, than the Cardinals football was last year. Well, I mean, especially if you're a Bears fan, remember back to that Cardinals game. The, the Cardinals basically outplayed the Bears in that, no, that contest. Know, know, if they had a quarterback, oh. which they didn't. Yeah. And that's how the Bears won that game, yeah. obviously. Uh, in New York last night, Daniel Jones went 5 for 5, 67 yards and a touchdown. Sam Darnold went 4 for 5, 68 yards and a touchdown. A lot of people looking at Daniel Jones, me included, uh, saying he was picked number 6 overall in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. What were you doing, New York Giants? Because he wasn't the quarterback to take there. I didn't agree with it. I thought Dwayne Haskins would be a better choice at that position. But the Giants go up. They grab Daniel Jones. He looked good in the first preseason game last night for the yeah, Giants. another guy who looked like he belonged. He looked like he had a command of the offense. He wasn't hesitant. He didn't. The lights weren't too bright for him. The rush wasn't too much for him. He looked like, but you're putting your guys. smooth. Yeah, you, you're, but all in these preseason season games you're putting your guys in position to succeed you're running very basic 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 defenses you're facing the most vanilla there's the you can see the vanilla beans in, the, in this vanilla of an offense like that's how that's how vanilla this all you know how like when it's so vanilla like you don't like this isn't like your soft serve vanilla see this i'm gonna like a, i'm gonna push back on what you're trying to do here with vanilla uh i think the more vanilla uh, flavor would be the generic brand. I think when you get the vanilla beans in, you're getting actually the gourmet vanilla stuff. Uh, I, I think that's how it works. If you have ice cream that has vanilla beans that you can see, take it back. Then, then I you're think right. that's the fancier you're right. ice cream. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Wrong analogy. Right. Right. I'm, good. Willing, good. I'm willing to right. admit when Perfect. I'm wrong. And Perfect. I'm wrong there. Like the, the bad soft serve. Yeah. yeah this yeah, is some I, TCBY stuff, my man. That is what you're seeing. This is some TCBY soft serve ice cream. I'm not going to slander the good name of Dairy Queen, uh, but you've got some TCBY stuff that you're seeing. And he just looked. He looked good out there. So did you know? So did uh, some other first year quarterbacks. Well, second year quarterbacks. I mean, Baker well, Sam, Mayfield, Sam, Sam Darnold, Darnold last yeah. night going against uh, Daniel Jones. He went four or five for 68 yards and a touchdown. I liked what I saw from Daniel, uh, from uh, Sam Darnold again. I'm a big Sam Darnold fan because uh, I'm a USC fan, and what he did at UFC is the only reason that Clay Hilton still has a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also go to uh, someone who struggled. Uh, Dwayne Haskins struggled a little bit last night for the Redskins, uh, and and the media coverage there in Washington kind of picking apart what he did yesterday. But Baker Mayfield and the Browns look like they're ready to make a Super Bowl run. 
I don't believe that hype, but they look like a team that's ready to play and compete this season. I'm not making any judgments off of anything. I'm just looking at guys and saying, yeah, you look like an NFL quarterback. You look like a good quarterback. You look like someone who's going to be here. Look, if everybody, if he went out there and got sacked three times and fumbled or threw a pick or whatever, we'd be having a different conversation. But coaches aren't putting their guys in that kind of situation yet. They're not going to be really tested until you get into regular season. Kyler Murray may struggle. We don't know. But in his first game as a uh, Cardinal yesterday, he looked good. Baker Mayfield, I think, is legit. Baker Mayfield is going to be now. I'm not. I'm not buying into the Super Bowl hype. I'll buy into the playoff hype. I'll buy into that they might make the playoffs. Get to 500 first. Okay, but I'll buy into the fact that they could be a contender in that division. Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. One last name. Uh, you're talking about guys who you can maybe question. Josh Rosen had good moments, but also bad moments. And if it doesn't click for him quickly. He may never be that starter, that number one quarterback that people thought he would be when he was at UCLA last night for the Dolphins, an up-and-down night. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they are in a position where they're kind of like, oh, well, this isn't the worst thing in the world if he's not good because we're, we want Tua. So yeah, Tua Tungabailoa in this yeah. next uh, draft. We're going we're gonna to tank for Tua here. That's Cr- what we're doing. Chris Black and Am Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. And each night throughout the summer, Jonathan Hood brings you a segment that features football. It could be college. It could be fantasy. It could be about the Chicago Bears. It is called, and he brings it to you each night at 8 o'clock. It's called The Summer of Football. The Summer of Football. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. With Jonathan Hood. Come on, baby, let's get it. Let's go now. You fired the first shot. Let's go, man. Five starts from deep in their own territory. And it's picked off at the 25-yard line. Eddie Jackson, and he'll go in for the touchdown. We're just having fun and we're working, baby. Pressure now on Mahomes. He's in trouble. Now gets it away. Are you kidding me? Barkley up the middle, cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield. Standard bounds. And Barkley takes it all the way. Summer of football. Lawrence flips it open. Justin Ross off and running. And Clemson strengthens its grip on this championship game. Williams in the game for the first time this year for Notre Dame. Takes the handoff and takes off. The summer of football. You got it. Work right here on ESPN 1000. I think we ain't done yet. And the ESPN app. Tonight's guest on the summer of football, Nicole Auerbach from the Athletic College Football Writer. You can follow her on Twitter at Nicole Auerbach. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. And Nicole, as we start this conversation off, when we look ahead at the college football season. Is it really just Clemson and Alabama and everyone else? Unfortunately, I think so. And, and not that's not to mean anything to slight Alabama and Clemson or Trevor and Tua. It just, you know, I'm just hoping that somebody else emerges um, because I'm not necessarily sure it's great for the sport or casual sports fans or really anyone to just have the same two teams kind of schedule, pencil in that date in the title game every single year. Um, you know, I'm just looking for fresh blood. That's why people want like a Georgia, a Texas, a Michigan, those types of teams to break through just to, just to mix things up a little bit, because, you know, we kind of, you know what you're getting, you respect it, the games themselves. We've had some really good ones between those two teams, but you know, with, with college football being such a regional sport, um, you know, it's just, it, it'd be good to have some, some new energy, some new faces and just something different for the sport. Just how big is the gap between 
Alabama, Clemson, and the other teams? Because you mentioned Michigan. I'm looking at LSU's schedule. They look like they could be a one-loss team. Unfortunately, that one loss could be to Alabama. But you could get two undefeated teams, both two teams 8-0 when they meet on November 9th. Just how far of a gap is it between Clemson, Alabama, and the other two teams that could make a playoff? Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's a big question, um, and and we don't we don't know yet. Um, I think you know there's there's a lot of interesting moving pieces. I mean, even with teams like Ohio State, you know, that has made the playoff, that has beaten one of those two teams before. Um, you know, you've got a new head coach there, a quarterback from Georgia who we haven't seen a ton from. Um, you know, how, how can they not skip a beat after Urban Meyer? Oklahoma getting some reinforcements on the defensive side is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. You know, can they make that final step to, you know, not just get to that tier below Alabama and Clemson, but get to their level and then maybe knock them off? I mean, it's going to be really interesting. You know, you've also got potentially Oregon coming out of the Pac-12. We'll, we'll know more about them week one when they play Auburn. Um, so really, it's just I'm, I'm it was so many of these teams like Nebraska, too. That's a trendy pick that people are kind of talking about as a dark horse. Like, I'm just in wait and see mode. And it's just so hard to tell until these teams are in those big games, you know, where you can actually see a measuring stick to know how close they are. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty much a safe bet to say, like, well, there's no one in the ACC right now that, that can match Clemson, and there's, there's going to be a huge gap there this year. That's, that's fair, and that's probably going to be the case. And it's going to take a couple years for maybe a team like Miami or somebody to, to emerge um, and be a consistent challenger. In the SEC, though, like you mentioned, LSU – got Georgia, Florida, like it is interesting that you could have teams that could actually maybe push them, if not beat them this year. Nicole Auerbach uh, from The Athletic, joining Chris Black and Adam Abdallah right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Nicole, what's your dog's name? Because we're friends with Adam and me, and I think your dog's name is awesome. Yes, it's Red Auerbach. He's standing <laughs> in there. He, he agrees um, with my football yes, take, but yes. also has some very strong basketball opinions, as you can imagine. Beautiful. Um, so if we take a look at Clemson, the one thing that I'm interested in is Trevor Lawrence was so good last season. I know all the advanced stats and the, just the basic stats showed that his freshman season was incredible. How good do you think, he, how, like, how much better do you think Trevor Lawrence can be during his time at Clemson? You know, that's a scary question and, and thought, um, you know, especially for everyone who's on their schedule this year and next year, because it's crazy. Like, I remember talking to NFL scouts around the draft. And I mean, listen, like scouts are known for their hyperbole, but there are people saying he could have been in the mix to be the number one pick if he had been able to go out this year. Um, but that's like that's just how pro ready he is. Size-wise, arm-wise, poise, everything. I mean, we saw it all. You saw him win a national championship as a freshman, but those were all things that people were talking about, you know, when he was still a recruit and then when he got to campus this time last year, um, you know, that he could be that type of player. So to me, like, you know, it's really interesting because him and him and Tua are considered, you know, kind of those two Heisman frontrunners entering the year. But to me, it's, I would, I would go Trevor way above Tua just because, um, you know, just again, like how pro ready he seems to be. And just, I, I just don't understand how you can play like that all year as a true freshman and just never get flustered. Like, he never got flustered at any point. And all of his weapons are young around him. He's got a running back in Travis Etienne who really hasn't had the wear and tear that some of the other top running backs in the country have had. 
Justin Ross is his receiver who, who just went off in the title game. I mean, it's kind of just terrifying how many weapons he has around him. Like, the only nitpicking questions you have about Clemson this year are on the defensive side of the ball just because they're replacing that incredibly, you know, basically historic defensive front from last year. So, like, I don't see any issues or questions about what Trevor Lawrence can do on his side of the ball with his weapons. And, like, it's, it's, it's literally just barring injury – the sky's the limit. Um, and the fact that he'll have a full season, because obviously last year he took over after, after Kelly Bryant uh, was benched. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty crazy to see what areas he does grow in because, you know, we saw that the deep ball, we saw the accuracy, we saw so many different facets of his game um, that, yeah, I mean, like if I were a defensive coordinator in the ACC, I would be pretty nervous thinking about, okay, what, what is his next, that's going to look like this will be the 10th year for brian kelly at notre dame what do you make of his decade at notre dame and what do you think uh, of his team this year yeah it's fascinating that he's been there so long because i mean it feels like he has been there and has been synonymous with that program for so long but also you don't see coaches last that long at places anymore um and you know especially the place like the high expectations of a notre dame um but yeah i mean i i think you know, I think last year it was it was such an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, to go through the regular season the way that Notre Dame did, to have the performance they did against Clemson, and you saw the fan base and a lot of people react and say, "Oh, well, you know, Notre Dame wasn't as good as we thought they were." And then you saw what Clemson did to everyone. Like we saw Clemson do to Alabama what they did to Notre Dame, and you realize, no, that was just an incredible Clemson team. So I sort of wonder, like, what you, what, how you start a season coming off of something like that, where it was a big year. Getting to the playoff is, you know, what everyone is striving to do in this era of college football. Um, but then to realize there was still such a gap, as we were talking about earlier, a gap between Clemson and Alabama, and in last year's case, just Clemson and and everyone else, um, and just like, how do you get there? How do you how do you fill that gap? Um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how they how they go. But, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's obviously high expectations once again. They've got incredibly talented players and talented quarterback. And just, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's going to be one of those years where you're expecting, you're going to be disappointed if you see, what, multiple regular season losses. I mean, and maybe outside of that Georgia game, if they lose to anyone, they, they could be favored in all the other games. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but that game... When they go to Athens and play that game, it's going to be awesome. I just, I love that there is a trend in college football with more people scheduling, like Notre Dame always schedules, um, but especially in this last two years, home and home with Georgia. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere, night game in Athens. So that, I mean, that will be the big measuring stick game to determine if they're like a playoff caliber team or not this year. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, everyone will just have the crazy high expectations they always have. Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic joining Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and ESPN app. All right, we've talked a lot of positive uh, college football storylines. Who has the hotter seat this season? Is it Clay Helton at USC or Gus Malzahn at Auburn? Who, who's more likely think, to be fired this season? I think the, the hotter seat is, is Clay Helton. Um, and just because, I mean, this is someone, I mean, yes, you had kind of that, that faction of the Auburn fan base and, um, you know, there was there was a lot of politicking going on at the end of last season. But but USC 
I, I thought was going to make the move last year. Um, and, and so to me, this is a little bit borrowed time. And, and I just think, you know, there's no reason, especially in the state of the Pac-12 South right now, and the fact that, you know, Chip Kelly is building at UCLA, but they're not, they're not starting at the level of his Oregon teams were. Last year, that division was just kind of a debacle. Um, and, you know, you don't have a relevant USC. Like, you don't have a USC dominating that division coming out of the South. And we're kind of just, like, waiting around for Oregon or Washington or Stanford or somebody to kind of carry that mantle for, for the Pac-12. You need to have USC w- relevant. They need to be one of the best teams in the nation. And so I think, I think that patience, the time is running out. There's also all sorts of mess. I mean, USC was obviously tied in that that crazy college admissions bribery scandal. There's there's so many moving pieces in that athletic department right now. Um, so I, I think all of that combined leads me to say, like, that is absolutely the hottest seat in college football. Thank you, Nicole. We appreciate it. All right, thanks. And uh, Red is not barking right now, but he's <laughs> saying goodbye. That's Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic. You can follow her on Twitter at Nicole Auerbach. That was your summer of football right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm a diehard USC fan. Uh, I believe at some places, like on Sportsbook, the win total for USC this season is at seven wins. That's going to be tough to do this season. Uh, if you just take a look at the tough games on their schedule, home for Stanford, home for Utah, at Washington, at Notre Dame, at Colorado, they're much improved, home for Oregon, at Arizona State, at Cal. Now, you say, Blake, you said Cal is a tough game. At Cal, they were one of the best defenses in the country last year. And USC's offense isn't really doing anything exciting. So, I mean, you look at it that way, you're looking at maybe you have uh, guaranteed victories against UCLA, Arizona. So that's two. BYU, three. Fresno State, four. Oh, I mean, I think there's a possibility that Clay Helton could get fired in season. And then my theory uh, so far is that once Clay Helton is gone, you will start to hear the rumors get louder and louder and louder about Urban Meyer, who's not coaching this year. He's working for Fox and their new pregame show with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. So he will be on set in Los Angeles because that's where Fox is located, where Clay Helton will be. The noise will be loud. The fans will be angry. The alumni will be upset. They have a lot of money. Remember, USC has a lot of famous alumni with big, uh, lots of deep pockets in the Hollywood uh, circles out there. So they have the ability to move on from a coach and then get the guy. And I think Urban Meyer will be the next head coach at USC. And that'll be fantastic. I can't wait for that day because then USC will become a power once again in college football. I'm Chris Black here in for Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We are keeping our eyes on the Antonio Brown situation tonight. He has told the Oakland Raiders that unless he can wear his old helmet, he will not play football again. Not like next week or the first game of the season or this season at all, just ever. If he doesn't get to wear his old helmet, he's never going to play football again, per Antonio Brown. Leak sources tell ESPN and Adam Schefter. Brown had a two-hour conference call today with an arbitrator and uh, NFLPA and the league office trying to figure out how he could get his 10-year-old helmet, the old type of helmet with face mask that he can wear, which has now been banned from the NFL because they want safer helmets for all. 
So uh, we will continue to watch this story, Antonio Brown and Adam Schefter breaking this news. And it's just drama. Antonio Brown going to the Raiders, this whole thing is about drama. John Gruden's about drama. The Raiders being on hard knocks, drama. All this team is, is drama. They're trying to sell tickets in Vegas for their new stadium. That's what the Raiders are. They're no longer a, a power in the NFL. They're just drama. Chris Black here. We will talk about college football coming up next. Some win totals in college football. We'll talk to a Vegas insider. Coming up next, Black and Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll continue talking some college football here on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. But first... Let's go down for an in-game update. Cubs and Reds in Cincinnati. Let's go to Jesse Rogers. Jesse? All right, boys. A developing situation oh. here as the Cubs are trailing 5-1 in the eighth, but they have the bases loaded. Nobody out. Anthony Rizzo at the plate as David Duck was the lefty of Mir Garrett to uh, try to get out of this jam. Again, Cubs down four with Rizzo at the plate. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Your Darvish only gave up four hits in this game, but three of them left the park. Nicholas Castellanos has the lone run for the Cubs back in the first inning. His fourth home run as a Cub in just his ninth game. It's his tenth extra base hit. But the game is right here in the eighth. Bases loaded, nobody out for Rizzo. Back to you guys. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, let's do this. First three callers at 312-332-3776. You get a pair of tickets to the Fantasy Football Convention and Championship August 24th at 115 Bourbon Street. Everyone from the station at ESPN 1000 will be there from 8 a.m. to 430. Uh, We will have Field Yates there. Uh, talking fantasy football. We'll do a live broadcast that day, all from the Fantasy Football Championship and Convention. It's on August 24th. The first three callers at 312-332-3776. You get a pair of tickets to the Fantasy Football Convention for listening to ESPN 1000. Chris Black here in for Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, So last night on the show, I talked about this, and uh, we'll get to uh, Kenny White, the Vegas insider on college football win totals, coming up in just a moment. Um, I talked about this last night on the show because on Wednesday, Mike Trout turned 28. And I think the one thing to kind of point out, and the one thing that I take from this, is that Mike Trout, by the numbers, by all accounts, is on way to become the greatest baseball player to ever live. And that's not saying, uh, that's not a hot take. That's just looking at the sheer numbers. There's only one player in, in Major League Baseball right now with a higher career war than Mike Trout in all of Major League Baseball. And Mike Trout at the moment is 28, and he's played nine seasons. That one player is Albert Pujols, who's 39, and he's played 19 seasons. He's the only active player in all of Major League Baseball with a higher career war than Mike Trout to this point. Mike Trout is doing stuff that is unbelievable. And the the whole thing to me that this points to, excuse me, is that if you look at a player that's this good, who is on way to become one of the all-time greats, we should be talking about it more. The media should be talking about it more. People in the streets should be talking about it more. But we don't. And you know why? 
because that's where baseball is in this current landscape of of sports, TV, entertainment, and just what people enjoy to talk about with their friends. You know, if it was any other sport, if there was a player that was on way to becoming the all-time great in his prime, we'd be having the LeBron versus MJ conversations each and every day. We'd be having the Kobe Bryant versus MJ conversations every day. We did with both. And we still do because the NBA is something people want to talk about. People watch. People enjoy. In football, we had the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady conversations. And before Tom Brady became the greatest of all time, we had the Tom Brady or Joe Montana conversations. We had the John Elway or Peyton Manning conversations. Would you rather have Brady or Elway? Would you rather have Montana or Manning? We've done that. We've watched the Chiron on, on first take put these debates up there. We've done, we've seen it on SportsCenter. We've seen it on FS1. We've seen it on the things that we consume. We've talked about it ourselves. But yet nobody talks about Mike Trout at age 28 in his prime being the greatest baseball player to ever live. Like, where is the conversation of Mike Trout or Barry Bonds? Barry Bonds is fourth all time in career war with 162.8. Where's that conversation? How about Willie Mays? He's fifth all-time in war, 156.4. Will Mike Trout catch Willie Mays? Who would you rather have in your outfield, Mike Trout or Willie Mays? Where's the hot takes and debates on that? Mike Trout or Hank Aaron? Who would you rather? Hank Aaron, career war, 143. He's seventh all-time. And then, obviously, if Trout's going to be the greatest player of all time, the name at the top is Babe Ruth. He has a wins above replacement of 182.4 for his career. Can Mike Trout catch him? Who's better? Who would you rather have? We, we, we don't do that conversation because no one wants to talk about baseball that way. People follow their team. The Cubs. You're a Cub fan. You follow the Cubs. White Sox fan. You follow the White Sox. That's it. You don't have the conversations breaking down generations, breaking down the greats. Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Ken Griffey Jr., Babe Ruth. We just don't do it. And that's why baseball isn't on the same plane of relevance as the National Football League and the NBA in this day and age. And guess what? It's not going to be a shock to me in 10 or 15 years when then you look around and we're having those conversations about great soccer players across the globe and not baseball players. Because guess what? Soccer's on its way. And it may not take off in this country specifically, but the fact that people in America can consume European soccer just like they consume the NFL, that that leads to the debates. Is Messi as good as Pele? Is Cristiano Ronaldo as good as Messi? What's Neymar going to be at the end of the day? Those are conversations people can have, debates they can have, but yet we don't talk about Mike Trout, who turned 28 on Wednesday and probably is going to be the greatest baseball player to ever live. I'm Chris Black in for Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We now talk with Kenny White, Vegas Insider. You can see him on CBS Sportsline. He's an NFL expert. His website's oddsxfactor.com. You can follow him on Twitter at KWhiteyVegas. Vegas Insider Kenny White on with Chris and Adam here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And what do you expect from Notre Dame this season, Kenny? Well, Notre Dame's got a great football team, guys. Uh, the, the problem is the schedule that they go up against this year is just a, a daunting task. 
Um, I, I have Notre Dame ranked, I believe, in my top ten. I'm looking at my book right now, but I only have them winning 9.2 games this year. Yeah, Notre Dame I have tied for ninth in the country. Uh, their offense is well above average. Their defense is well above average. And Brian, Brian Kelly's been doing a, a terrific job. Uh, maybe covering point spreads hasn't been one of his best jobs. He's 32 and 31 the last five years, just 500. He is 12 and 10 against the top 25 when it comes to covering point spreads. But amazing, just 9 and 13 straight up when, when playing against the best teams in the country. So, like I said, this schedule, uh, playing at Georgia, uh, playing USC at Michigan, uh, those, those are really tough hurdles. And I think even the last game of the year, uh, by week 13, 14 this year against Stanford late, uh, this could be an improved Stanford team. But it wouldn't surprise me if you'll see Notre Dame come out uh, winning 10 games this year. Everybody believes that we're on a collision course for Alabama and Clemson and their season win totals are at 11 and 11 and a half respectively. Do you believe both those teams can go undefeated? I, I do believe both can be the, the big thing with Clemson. Uh, they, they just, they're overmatching. They're an SEC football team playing in the ACC. Uh, they're going to be a 14 point favorite minimum every single game this season. Uh, their, their road is very easy. Dabo Sweeney keeps his guys, uh, uh, up. You know, there's going to be one scare. Obviously, there always is with college teams. So, uh, there's always that opportunity. There could be a game that they lose, but they'll still be in the final four. Alabama, they're going to be lightning focused. I, I, this team, it's amazing. Got 32 players drafted the last three years, 13 in the first round the last three years. You lose that type of talent, but, they just continue to reload, and I think their focus is there because that embarrassing loss uh, to Clemson, and I believe this could be the best Alabama team we've ever seen because of Tua and his experience now running that offense with a great defense behind him. Kenny White, Vegas Insider with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. To follow up on Alabama, last season in the first half, in the first quarter of games, Alabama was outscoring opponents big time. Kenny, is that something you look at heading into this season where you're going to play the first quarter lines, the first half lines, especially when you're playing Alabama games? Yeah, that was something we noted. I can't remember how many times they covered in a row, but it might have been the first nine or ten games of the year they covered uh, the first half line. And you continue to see bookmakers adjusting higher and higher and higher, but they just couldn't get high enough. Um, yeah, I would expect the same. Uh, you look for them early in the season playing Duke and New Mexico State. You know, these are weak football teams. Uh, they should just be able to manhandle. And I believe, yeah, they'll be out early. Uh, they'll cover those spreads early in games. I think you might see Tua play a little longer in games because last year Nick Saban kind of had Jalen Hurts, you know, thinking, you know, Jalen was my guy. I need to try to get him as much playing time as possible. I don't think he's going to feel this way that, uh, this year with Mac Jones uh, as his second-string quarterback. So I think you'll see Tua play longer in the games, uh, later in the third quarter, maybe even into the fourth with big leads. So just increase their scoring opportunities. I think this Alabama team could average 50 points a game by the end of the season. All the focus in the Big Ten is going to be on Michigan, but Michigan State has a win total of eight right now. They have one of the, one of the better defenses in the country going into this season. How do you rate Michigan State? I rate Michigan State very highly, and you're right. I, I agree that this defense is tremendous. Um, I have Michigan winning 10.3 football games, and the difference maker might be when those two rivals play. It is in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan State, I have at 9.2 wins. They were one of my top win total plays this year to go over. Um, 
Good question marks about uh, their their head coach that maybe uh, D'Antoni is not one of the upper echelon coaches in college football. You know, the ATS record, I'd love to use that to follow who's a great coach and who's not because, you know, if you're covering point spreads, that's what the line is, the great equalizer. That means you're overachieving. And uh, Michigan State has not been an overachiever over the last five years, but this is their most talented team. Uh, they do have to have their quarterback needs to take care of the football a little bit better. He needs to punch it into the end zone with more touchdown passes. But they will have that defense to rely on, and they will all year. I can't wait till Penn State plays Michigan State if they do. I didn't even look at the schedule if they do. But if those two play each other, Penn State's defense is tremendous, and I'll look in my book and see if they are. They are. I've got a final score of 25-15. to 15. It's going to be a very low-scoring football game with the Spartans winning by 10. Kenny White, Vegas Insider, on with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Urban Meyer's out at Ohio State. Ryan Day takes over. I've always said that I thought Urban Meyer was the best one-game football coach in the country. He's not the best coach overall. That's probably Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. But Urban Meyer, if you needed him for one game, was the absolute best at making a game plan and winning that one game. Uh, how do you think Ohio State will fare? Their over-unders at 10 wins this season with the new head coach, Ryan Day. You, you know, you, you, everything you hit was uh, head on, uh, right, right on. This uh, this team is going to miss Urban Meyer, and it's going to miss him in big games. You're right. Where Ryan Day just does not have that type of experience of game planning for those games. The talent level's still there. There's there so much talent on this football team, but now you're bringing in Justin Fields coming in from Georgia. He is going to have so much pressure on him. You know, respect is something you earn, and you just I just don't think he has enough time to earn the respect that he's going to need a quarterback this early in the season. Uh, they, they, they are fortunate that they should be able to handle that schedule. But going into Nebraska at the end of September and then playing Michigan State, uh, those might be two tough football games where you may see Ohio State tub the, uh, stub their toe. Because you're right, Ryan Day doesn't have the experience and Urban Meyer has. So I have them, though, at 9.9 wins. I'm right on the win total. I uh, would have liked to have gone under 10.5, but now it's down to 10. Texas A&M brought in a great recruiting class under Jimbo Fisher. How do you see them, and how do you rate them this season? Uh, Texas A&M, I have uh, 10 points better than the average college football team. Uh, yeah, again, this is another team you're right. Defensively, they're going to be uh, outstanding. A lot of returning starters. Uh, Kellen Mond, the quarterback, is going to be the difference maker. If he plays really well, uh, this team could overachieve. Um, but... There's question marks. I do believe on the offense, uh, and, and it is in Kellen Mond. I've got him about four and a half points better than the average quarterback. Uh, the backup quarterbacks are, are very inexperienced, so they're going to need to keep Mond healthy. Um, I have this team right now only at 6.8 wins, and a lot of that has to do with the schedule that they play. It's just a tremendous schedule this year. Uh, you know, when you're taking on Clemson uh, out of conference, you know that's a loss, and I've got them losing that game by 23 points in Death Valley. Uh, it's, it's, it's a daunting year. You're, you're on the road uh, at Georgia and LSU to end the season. Uh, I think the schedule's just too difficult for Jimbo Fisher's team, and you're right. His recruiting class was excellent. Uh, uh, I think the left tackle they've got in Kenyon Green is going to be a great player and an NFL guy. He's got several NFL guys. Uh, on that in that recruiting class. Kenny White, Vegas Insider, talking with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Closer to home, the Northwestern Wildcats. They had a good season last year, but it seems like each and every year they trip up in the month of September. This upcoming September, they have probably, arguably, their three toughest games. They face Stanford on the road, Michigan State, and at Wisconsin, all in the first month of the season. What do you think of uh, Northwestern heading into this season? 
Well, I'll tell you, Pat Fitzgerald is one of my favorite coaches because I said, when you cover the point spread, you are overachieving. And Pat Fitzgerald, he's a guy that overachieves. Uh, Northwestern, 37-27 and ATS uh, overall the last five years. What's more impressive, when he's playing in conference, 29-15 and against the spread. Uh, He has just been tremendous. He's also been great under uh, playing at home. So you know you're going to get a great defensive effort out of him. That means the game planning is there each week. Because we know the athletes are just a slight step below the rest in the conference because of the academics. But, again, the schedule just really daunting. Last year was a miracle season, I feel like. Uh, this year, a little bit tougher. I have them as an above-average football team, about four points better than the average team. But I only have them winning 5.9 games. I think they barely get bowl eligible, and as you pointed out, at Stanford, Michigan State, at Wisconsin the first month of the season. Then at Nebraska, because we know Nebraska has definitely improved. That could be off to a 1-4 and four start. You're going to see this team get their wins late in the year, so don't give up on them. They play home against Purdue, Massachusetts, and Minnesota. I think all three easy wins. And then at Illinois, which they'll get a win there. None of it's easy, but I do believe they win their last four games. I'm going to stick to the South because that's where football is. Is, is football? Uh, we're going to talk about teams with with a lot of wins. I'm looking at LSU schedule, and I can see them going undefeated until they get to that Alabama game when they have to go to Tuscaloosa. How do you rate the Tigers? I think they can go in and they could maybe be they could be a one or two loss team this season. I'm in complete agreement with you. This is uh, Eddie O's best team that he's had so far. Uh, again, when you start to you know look at guys if they're going to overachieve or not. He's 20 and 18 covering point spreads the last three years. But again, a lot of guys, you know, their system doesn't fit till year three or year four. So this may be the year. I think Joe Burrow is going to take a step up. I think the new offense that they're they're putting in this year is going to help Burrow. He's a big, strong quarterback. He does like to run a little bit. So that uh, multi-pro spread will work for him. Uh, The defense is is loaded. Rashad Lawrence is an All-American that's going to play in the NFL uh, and in the secondary, Grant Delpit, another guy, uh, NFL-type uh, uh, talent. Um, I look at their schedule. I think they're only an underdog in one game this year, and that is the Alabama game. So I have LSU winning 9.6 games. It wouldn't surprise me if they won 10 and quite possibly 11 since they're a favorite in 11 out of the 12 contests. Kenny, thanks for the time tonight. We appreciate it. Hey, Mike, my pleasure, guys. That's Kenny White, Vegas Insider. You can see him on CBS Sportsline as an NFL expert. You can also follow him on Twitter at KWhiteyVegas. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Mitch Trubisky and mental preparation. We will talk about that coming up next. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Congrats to Chris from Chicago and Brian from Mount Greenwood. They both win a pair of tickets to the 2019 Fantasy Football Convention and Championship August 24th, uh, 115 Bourbon Street. You can see us all there at ESPN 1000. It will be a great day. Field Yates will be there giving a uh, presentation on fantasy football. If you have yet to win tickets, you can still buy tickets before the event. It's $15 on the ESPN Chicago Facebook page. $20 at the door, so get the tickets early for the Fantasy Football Championship on August 24th at 115 Bourbon Street. I'm Chris Black in for Jonathan Hood tonight. Sean Davis produced the show. Jared 
Payton joined us earlier tonight. Check out that interview on the podcast page at ESPNChicago.com and on the ESPN app. And Sean, once again, Abdallah was, uh, he was here. Uh, the magic of radio. Abdallah left an hour ago. Just dips out on us constantly. Hey, man. That's just how my man. Friday nights go, right? We're going to have to have a, an Abdallah dip off fine <laughs> and get a jar. And every time he dips, that's a dollar in the jar. I like it. Yeah, I like we'll, it. Too. We'll have uh, like $50 at the end of the summer. We don't even do 50 shows, but somehow we'll get 50. All right, Chris Black in here. Uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky didn't really play last night, but I like the way that the Bears are handling the me- mental prep. I think it's good and smart. I'll be back on Sunday morning with Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood tonight. Thanks for listening on ESPN 1000.